chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4. I hope you're enjoying uh, the series that we've been in for a number of weeks on the local church because we're still in it. <laughs> and uh, praise God. Uh, so, hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 4. I had begun uh, to get into some things, again, related to the local church. Uh, but the way I, the utterance came out on Sunday, we, di we just didn't get to much of it. So we want to just kind of pick, uh, pick up where we left off. And if you remember, uh, we were talking about what is the devil's worst nightmare. Amen. So this is a continuation of that message. The devil's worth, worst nightmare. What is the devil's worst nightmare? Well, it's, it's you and I united. You and I together. And all the other Christians in the other local churches. I mean, that's really got him freaked out. But I tell you what, you know, we, we don't have a lot of control other than our prayer life and what we can do and in our interactions with other local churches and in different things where we can cooperate as the Lord would lead. Uh, but uh, our primary emphasis in the area of unity is with each other because we're the ones in the body of Christ we spend the most time with. Amen. And uh, if you recall, I talked about that and made the statement that a local church could not be and will not be, would not be considered healthy if there was not unity. Amen? And we want to we establish that tonight. And so much of what God wants to do in our lives, in our church, depends upon our being in unity. Now, the fact that you and I, you know, we know if you've come here, I hope it's your experience. I, I don't hang out in the, all the four corners of the building where all the activity is going on. I can only be where I am, right? Uh, but we have a sweet church. We are sweet people. We have a sweet church. We're open, I believe. We're, we've always had a reputation of being very accepting and welcoming and, and not perfect, but, you know, that's kind of, and that was the way it was before I became the pastor here. I'm not taking credit for that. And, uh, but... The fact that we don't, uh, you know, have a church split going on, we don't have big factions, we don't have a lot of fighting, that doesn't mean that we're uh, getting an A-plus grade in all things with unity. Because there's a lot more to unity than just, you know, not having fistfights in the parking lot. <laughs> and aren't we glad for that, you know, the... Uh, the deacons aren't at war with the pastor and the pastor with the deacons. And, you know, we just, we just don't do that kind of thing around here. That's how you get run off. That's how you get dismissed. That's how you get your picture in the name with my safety and security team. And you don't want that, right? And we've always had a wonderful relationship with the McCracken County Sheriff's Department, but since we sowed that generous seed, we've really got a generous... And so we'll just put you down, you know, but we're just not going to let someone come in, amen, and just tear up our church family. I don't know about you, but I've got too much invested. I've got, I'm coming on this year, November will be 20 years of my life, I'm 48, 20 years of my life invested in this work. I mean, I don't know, I don't even know how to add it up, tens and tens of thousands of dollars happily invested by the Cody's in the work of the ministry here. And many of you are like that, however long you've been here. 
You've worked, you've labored, you've prayed, you've given, you've sacrificed. Amen. We've got too much invested to just, you know, get in our flesh and tear it up. Much less let a stranger come in and do that to us. You know, there's, uh, you know, there's talk and teaching out there and warnings about false prophets, false apostles, false pastors, false teachers. But one of the things that I don't hear much mentioned, I don't know that I've mentioned it very much, is there is something in the Bible called false brethren. False brethren. Now, I don't want there to be an air of suspicion about our congregation. You know, that's not how we want to walk around and be. Especially toward our new people. Amen? And, uh, but I, I am actively trusting the Holy Ghost to alert me. And He has been faithful to do so. When someone comes in and, and they look like a sheep, they smell like a sheep, they act like a sheep, but they're a wolf. And Jesus, that's how He described false brethren. Wolves in sheep's clothing. They're disguising themselves. And, and so we just have, it's, it's unfortunate, but not everyone that comes through our doors has a pure motive. Amen. And so just like we have to be discerning about false prophets and discerning about false fivefold ministry, pastors, teachers, different things, there are false brethren. Amen. You just make sure, you know, what should you do about that? Well, don't be one. Just don't be one, amen? Be a true, honest, sincere, transparent, uh, right-hearted part of the family. And just take your place in the family. I don't care if you've been here two weeks. If God's called you here, amen? Just take your place in the family. Amen. Glory to God. Uh, but um, look at in Ephesians chapter 4. We want to see some things about, about unity. And uh, there's a lot to be learned and a lot to be gained in skill, especially in spiritual things when it comes to unity that, uh, that we could come up in, that I could come up in. Let me read this, uh, and then I'll give you an example or two. Ephesians chapter 4, we read this Sunday, beginning in verse 1. Paul says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk, that word walk means live, that you live worthy of the calling the vocation wherewith you are called. Amen? With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Did you notice the repetitive one, one, one? Amen. It's unfortunate how cliquish the body of Christ is, how prejudiced the body of Christ is to our own brothers and sisters. You know, it's, it, it just happens in, in every direction. You know, uh, you know, certain denominations find out, you know, that uh, another group speaks in tongues, and I mean, we'll just get all Pharisee on them. And want to pick up stones and call them heretics and different things. And Pentecostals that look down on Baptists or Methodists or people who don't speak with tongues as unspiritual. 
right, and less than Christians. And this is all the work of the devil. This is all the work of the enemy. It's just so sad how, how effective the devil has been in dividing up the body of Christ. And this lack of unity is, 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 uh, is what gives the enemy the ability to sleep at night. Because if we ever come together, it's like I said, there are enough Christians, even in America, the way it is now, messed up. If we all got together and picked a candidate, we can pick the Congress, pick the Senate, pick the President, pick the bureaucrat, pick the, pick the governor. We can just pick. Because we had, there's no other group out there that's got that kind of power. But we do, and the devil's terrified of that. What's preventing that? The division. Amen. We're not going to go there tonight, but you know, it's just so precious. If you, if you read the Gospel of John, and you get to John chapter 17, when you get to John chapter 17, you're just days away from Jesus' crucifixion, from His passion. And He begins to, John 17, the entirety of it is a prayer that Jesus prayed to the Father in preparation of leaving and going back to where he was before he came to earth. He said, Father, the time has come. Glorify thou me with the glory I once had with you before I came. And, but then he goes and he begins to pray for us, to pray for the church, to pray for the disciples. And he says, Father, I'm praying that they will be one like we are one. Now, when you see Jesus pray a prayer, you know, Jesus, when he prays, he's praying in faith. And do you know, though it's been 2,000 years, and that prayer hadn't been fulfilled yet, answered yet, it will be. It will be. It's Jesus' dream that we be as one together and one with God as Jesus is with God and God is with Jesus. Here's something we need to think about. What side of this are we on? Are we helping further along Jesus' prayer and coming to pass? Or are we on the other side being the problem? Amen. Now, listen, I'm going to confess I, I, with a sincere heart and a sincere motive, I've made statements that I look back on and I regret because, you know, they were true in their essence, but they were divisive. You know, and I, I regret that. So I, what am I supposed to do? Just repent. That's what I did, repent. But I want to be, it doesn't mean we, I'm not going to unite around false doctrine. I'm not going to unite around compromise. That's not what unity is. Amen? But we should err on the side of being a unifier and not a divider. When it comes to our family, fellow Christians, amen. And if nothing else, if that group is preaching Jesus as Savior, there's something we can unite around. There's something we could come together and work around. Is that not right? Hallelujah. And uh, so let's review those first three verses again. Verse 1 through 3. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, that word means, beseech means, I beg you with all that I am, please, please hear me on this, do this. <laughs> Amen. Very strong word in the Greek. 
I beseech you, I beg you that you live your life, that's my interpretation of that based on my understanding of the scripture, uh, worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. He's talking to every Christian here, right? Right? Remember how pastor is, you give me good response, I won't go preach the baguettes. You get quiet on me, we're going to go read the genealogy. Okay? Amen. So notice the words and the descriptions of a Christian living their life worthy of their Christianity. The first word is with lowliness. That means with humility. Uh, The literal, if you look that up, it means to go low like go low to the floor. So as we interact with one another, our default mentality ought to be, I'm going to take the low place. I'm not going to run in and take the best place, I think, in the cafe. Uh, Amen, I'm not going to get terrible. Right, we're going to be humble, teachable. Hallelujah. Meekness means, it's again very close to humility, but it means there's an air of gentleness about us. Amen. Does that describe you and the way you come to church? Hallelujah. Okay. Notice it says with long-suffering. Long-suffering is a spiritual fruit, a fruit of the Spirit, and we're supposed to see it and enjoy it and experience it when you're here at church. Amen. We are to be long-suffering with one another. And we're going to need to be long-suffering in this era and in this revival because God's going to bring a flood of people out of the world that are broken, addicted, messed up, you know, because that's what they are in the world. But God's going to bring them and we're going to love them. We're going to preach the gospel to them. We're going to disciple them. Amen. And we're not going to look down their nose if they leave our service and throw a cigarette butt out on the parking lot. Now, I don't like that. I, I have feelings about that. But bless God, if they're new, who cares? We'll just go pick it up. They'll get it. They'll get it one day if they keep coming. Amen. That there's a higher way to to be. (laughs) Amen. So we're supposed to be long-suffering. I like this. Forbearing one another in love. In love. Everyone say in love. Now again, what does forbearing mean? It means to put up with. That's a real revelation. Amen. That means when we come to church, if we're going to go to church and be at church in a worthy way, then we come with the mentality, I am happy to put up with Brother Phil if I see him. Happy to do it. (laughs) Amen. Because even in a group our size, there's going to be personalities in that that bunch that just, 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 I mean, just don't fit with you. But that doesn't mean you ought to be able to sit in the same section, in the same row, and right next to that person, and be sweet. We ought to not have this, I live in the West Hall, they live in the East Hall, and all is well. I mean, come on. Amen. We have, if we're going to be a healthy church, then we're going to have to put up with, in love, with everyone in the family. And just remember, if that's challenging to you, everyone in the family is putting up with you. (laughs) Amen? 
And then it means endeavor, look at that verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. Now notice, there, this unity Paul is talking about is not just a natural unity. It says there's a unity of the Spirit. And that we are to endeavor to keep. That word keep means to guard, protect, and defend. And that just needs the badge that all of you leave with tonight. Part of my job as a Christian and being in a family, a household of faith, means that I'm going to wear the badge and I'm going to guard and protect and defend the unity of the Spirit in my church. And that just means even though you're going to feel like it, you're not going to gossip and you're not going to backbite and you're not going to talk another member down. And you're not going to be offended and then go try to sow your offense and poison into other people in the church to win them to your side. Because that won't work. We're too spiritual here for that to work very long. Because I pray in the Holy Ghost enough to be able to sniff that out. Or a lot of the times the way that happens is there's loyalty in the church. There's faithfulness in the church. And I got peeps. You do know that, right? I have peeps. Amen. And if you just choose to go ahead and voice your offense to someone else, it's likely, I'm likely to be the first or second phone call. And that's the way it ought to be. Let's just go ahead and get this out of the way. Let's go to Proverbs. I'm staying on the positive side, but we do need, all of us, me included, need to heed the warnings of breaking unity. Because again, you can read uh, the letters in the New Testament, at, like, the, like the Corinthian letters, and you can see these people got issues. And they still have move of the Spirit. They still have gifts of the Spirit, but they have issues. Yeah. And they didn't have proper respect for their man of God. And, uh, you know, it's just Corinthians were fleshly and carnal and cliquish, and they were messed up. Right? But I tell you what, uh, you know, in the book of Acts, what made the book of Acts, the early church in the book of Acts, so powerful? Well, if we have time, we'll get there. But it was the unity that they had. One mind, one heart, one intent, one, one confession, one motive. But anyway, we'll get to that, time permitting. Let's go ahead and get the warning out of the way. Proverbs chapter 6 and uh, verse number 12. And if anyone has a, uh, a really good translation that you think would be worth me uh, echoing I will I have King James up here notice verse 12 says a naughty person <laughs> okay we're gonna find out who's naughty okay a naughty person a wicked man walks or lives with a froward mouth they don't talk right he winks with his eyes he speaks with his feet he, he teaches with his fingers so this is someone who's sly and scheming like wink, wink, nod, nod, right? Hidden agenda, stealthy. A lot of people come to church. I've been to church a long time. Big church, small church, denominate. I've been to church a long time. Everywhere you got people, you'll have this happen. People come in, they've got the agenda, and they're being sneaky. I had someone at Jackson Street come in on me one time and uh, came to a service or two, then asked to sit down with me, and uh, 
I guess he was sneaky for a little bit, but uh, he just come out and said it. I believe I'm called to be your associate pastor. I'm like, what's your name? Yeah, God called me here to be your associate pastor. Really? Well, he hadn't told me that. And I'm sweet. I've always been sweet, but I was really sweet back then. I'm just a young green pastor. And I didn't, you know, recognize in the beginning all the little snares and traps people were trying to set for me. But, I, you know, I had been well trained. And so, you know, I said, well, look, why, you know, that may be. God hadn't told me that, but that may be. Why don't you just keep coming? Let me get to know you. Let our church get to know you. You get to know us. Well, he was polite about that, but that's not what he wanted. I guess he really thought I was going to hear, okay, preach for me next Sunday. I don't know what people are thinking. Well, he came one more service. We never saw him again. And praise God. You know, I've learned to rejoice sometimes when people leave. You know, if you come to me, if you come to me and you go, hey, pastor, what about so-and-so? I've not heard him, and I kind of give you that wink, wink, nod, nod, just, okay, praise God. God bless him. Because i got to walk in love, and I'm not going to dump all I know about that situation on you. But listen, if I'm not chasing him as the shepherd with the shepherd's hook, just know there's a reason for that. And I don't care if it was your tradition to go out to Mexican food every Sunday with that person. Well, that's just over, okay? Find somebody else to go have tacos with. And listen, let me tell you something. If you're right, if you're right and rooted and planted in this church, and your bestie leaves this church, you won't. Can I just tell you this? You ought to know this by now. You need your pastor from Jesus more than you need your little bestie who got offended. Amen. And we'll all just find out who you really value, who you're, who you're, you know, what your mindset is. Okay, I've tried to read this verse here. Verse 14. Frowardness or perversity is in his heart. That's why it's in his mouth. He devises mischief continually. Notice this. He sows discord. Now in the King James Bible, the, the word discord only appears here and in verse 19 of this proverb. And, uh, but notice it's the phrase sow. What's it mean to sow? Well, you're going to take a seed. You sow seed, right? It's a seed and you plant it. But here we're not planting love and we're not planting corn. We're planting discord. Now, discord is to act and talk in such a way as to bring division or to erode someone's trust in someone else. So anytime you say anything or act in a way that lowers the trust of someone toward another in the church, you have sown a seed of discord. Amen. Now, here's the problem. Seeds don't stay seeds. And this is, how, this is why this is so evil to do. It's because 
you know, even if it's even if it's 100% true, whatever you said to that person, you planted a seed that now is going to, if they don't, if they're not spiritually in tune enough and mature enough to uproot that seed out of their own heart, it'll sit there and and they're going to go nurse that thing and think about that thing. And oftentimes it's not even true. It's a rumor there. You don't have the whole story or you didn't get the other side. But now if you're not careful, that thing's going to grow and sprout and, and become a problem. And it may be that person that splits the church or creates a big problem in the family, but it's the person over here who whispered it at the restaurant or in the lobby or at the parking lot or on a text message that sowed that seed. We need to be careful. We could all get in the flesh. We could all inadvertently not really think and not really mean to, but do this. And our church is too precious to sow this kind of poison. Amen. Preaching good, Pastor Chris. So he sows discord. Look at verse, okay, let me read verse 14 again. Frowardness or perversity is in his heart. He devises mischief continually. He sows discord. Therefore, now stop. What does the word therefore mean? Therefore, because. In other words, we're about to read because of this. Because of this, I always say when you see the word therefore in the Bible, stop and see what it's there for, right? So one of the things this naughty person has done is they have sown an evil seed of discord, therefore shall his calamity come suddenly. Did you get that? Suddenly he shall be broken without remedy. That communicates to me that in the mind of God, doing this is serious. I'm not trying to be a downer, and I told you I was trying to stay on the positive side, but we do need to heed the warning, all of us. Amen. That the one, the brother that so, or the sister that sows discord among the brethren, if they don't get that repented of and under the blood and corrected, there's going to come a moment, and it's going to come suddenly, and it's going to be uh, a calamity there's going to be brokenness happen in that family life whatever and there's not going to be any remedy to it i mean gorilla glue is not going to be enough to put that thing back together there's going to be a harsh and a swift judgment fall does everybody get this we do not want to be the one that is sowing discord among the brethren Listen, if you ever just have a change of heart or mind and you just don't like me, you don't like the church, you don't like what we're doing, the best thing you could do is come talk to me about it. That's the best thing you could do. And if you're too chicken to do that, then just slip away quietly and God bless you. Hope things work out for you. Just, just quietly, peacefully, Go find yourself another church, and you might live. Now you say stuff like that, and it's like, oh, man, you're like a cult guy. But no, I'm not, I'm not, right? And many people have left the church and done just fine, right? Done just fine. I know that I'm not the flavor for everybody. But I do look back, especially if someone went to new members class, I have this little piece of paper that they signed that is a recognition that they said at one point that God told them 
that we were their pastors and this was their church. So, <laughs> right? But listen, I don't want to give the impression that God doesn't ever redirect or seasons don't end or, or that people just decide I'm just not their flavor of lollipop. Right? I, right? And people can go on and make a different decision and, and do just fine. I'm just saying it's a very serious thing. If you don't want calamity to come on you suddenly, <laughs> right? And for brokenness to come into your life that doesn't have a remedy to it, whatever you do, don't sow discord. But I, I've heard all the stories, you know, of uh, associate pastors. The church gets up three, four, hundred, five hundred, whatever, and he gets a little group going. And maybe the associate pastor preaches or leads some sort of group, and people will come say, oh, man, you're just so annoying. I tell you what, you're just a whole lot like my pastor. And all of a sudden they go, you know what? God told me to take 250 out of this church and go down the road and start a work. Yeah, and that never works out. I said that never works out. Amen. All right, let's read one more verse here, or a couple of verses. It goes on and says in verse 16, these six things does the Lord, what does he do? He hates. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. So let's read about six things the Lord hates, six things that in the mind of God are abominations. Number one, a proud look. Number two, a lying tongue to tell a lie. All the young people listening, all the adults listening, to say something that's not true. And hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness. So two out of the six have to do with lying, Brother Joe. Amen. And I didn't, I'm not saying anybody's name to point out anything. Amen. Uh, praise God. A false witness that speaks lies. And, number six, he that sows discord among the brethren. Amen? Okay, so you could go back to Acts. Y'all all right? Now again, in, uh, in, we're going to Acts chapter uh, 2, but uh, in, um, in the book of Titus chapter 3, verse 9 through 11, Paul gives Titus this instruction. Uh, Titus was a pastor, and uh, so he's given him instruction about how to handle his congregation. And uh, those verses say, confront and correct a divisive person two or three times. But if they do not get it turned around the third time, put him away, have nothing more to do with him. So see, if someone, if I go to someone and say, listen, I don't know what your deal is, but we don't talk like that about other people. If I come to you and say, is this true? You said this. Yeah, I said that. Well, that's just... In if you repent and take the correction, well, fine, you can stay. And then we do that a second time, you know, and here we are. But if it becomes a pattern with you, according to Titus chapter 3 and Romans chapter 16, my instruction as a pastor is to give you the boot. Now, we're going to see the, on the positive side, why is this? Why is this? You know, you'd think, oh my gosh, what does the Lord hate? Oh my gosh, what would be an abomination to the Lord? I've committed adultery. Someone that, uh, you know, robbed a liquor store, or, you know, or, or, you know, practices some sexual sin. 
Notice what he said. Two out of the six were speaking things that are not true. And being divisive in the family of God is on that list. Amen? Amen. Well, the reason for this is because there is so much on the line. There's so much on the line with unity. Amen? So I made this statement, so much of what God wants to do in every local church, in this local church, that's what I'm primarily thinking about, depends on our committing to being skillful with unity. And that doesn't just mean not fussing, not fighting, not God. That's the basic stuff. Amen? Uh, but uh, look in Acts chapter 2. We want to see, and I'm, I know what time it is, but look at the uh, spiritual consequences or, or the, the positive things that can be produced where there is unity. And so notice in verse 1, and when the day of Pentecost, now that's a feast day, uh, one of the, the Jews' seven annual feasts that they held. And so when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were, how many of them? They were all with one accord. They didn't drive Nissans back then. No, that's an old joke. Anyway, they were all with one accord in one place. So we preached a lot already in this series about the importance of being in one place, gathering together. But they weren't just gathered together in one place, were they? It's how they were come together. They were come together in one accord. Now what does that mean? Well, the Greek word there is hypothios. It's a compound word. And it means an inner attitude of agreement about the gathering or about the activity. Amen? It means one mind, one heart. Let's say that together. One mind, one heart. So they were all come together, and they had been this way. We didn't read Acts chapter 1, but uh, we're right there in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, I believe. It says, and being assembled together with them. Uh, no, that's not the one. Verse 14 is what I meant to read. These all continued with one accord in prayer and in supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and the brethren. So, you know, there was 120 gathered in this upper room. And they were there for an undetermined number of days. Amen? But notice, they came and they were in one accord in their prayer time. So, see, here's an here's a aspect of unity we must work on. We must work on praying in a unified way. It's going to take practice. Amen. Hallelujah. That's one of the reasons I didn't do it tonight, why I'm developing all the confessions for the major things we're believing God for. Because that's a prayer we make, we make it together. Amen. Glory to God. But even when you're away from the church family, if you know what the primary thrust of what the Spirit of God has assigned to our church, amen, that we're contending for, when you're out there, spend a little time praying that direction. Praying for that. Not against it. Not something different. 
Amen? Anyway, back to chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, it says, They were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came. Now that's what I want to get out of that, right? They were one place, and they they had one mind, one heart. They were in unity. And being together in unity created the atmosphere where suddenly... Come on, people say we want the suddenlies. We just, Pastor Chris would just get it together and and be the pastor he's supposed to be so that when we can come to church, we can have the suddenlies. Well, I'm trying. Amen. But this didn't say the suddenly came because Peter was a good apostle. Amen. This is what I, I, we, we have to get this revelation. It takes all of us. It takes all of us. It takes all of us to hook on. To hook on in the service. It's like I heard Pastor Nancy say on a recording today, you're, you're not anointed to hold that chair down. Amen. When you come to church, how do you unify? How do we create unity of the Spirit? Well, like it or not, you're going to have to learn to flow with the leader. Amen. So what is, what is God emphasizing to pastor? What is God emphasizing to pastor? Amen. And and what is he endeavoring to do? What's going on in the service at that time? You didn't have the authority to orchestrate it, to set the order of service, but you're there and you have a vital part. What is your part? Hook on. Hook on. You don't just come to church, and and it's fine to have done this, but we're learning. We're not coming to church just to be in the theater. This is not a theater, and I am not your entertainment. And the praise team's not your entertainment. We don't do donkey and pony shows and smoke machines around here. You figured that out. We're contending for something greater. We're contending for something more. What is that? All that God has for that service. All that God has planned for that service. Amen. Pastor Nancy gave a a wonderful illustration I couldn't improve on, so I'll just relate it to you. Uh, And she had heard this secondhand from someone who was... Uh, in a service, it was kind of a, a special type meeting, and there were m- hundreds and hundreds of people in this service, and it was the praise and worship part of the service. So everyone was stood up and everyone was singing, and she just looked across, and she was just so impressed and ministered to by, I, I think she even described it as a couple of thousand people, all singing, all in unison, all with their hands raised, And she said to the Lord, while that was going on, Oh, Father, it must bless you. How wonderful it is for a number of your children this size in unity together with their hands raised, worshiping you. And the word of the Lord came to her and said, Look again. She wasn't expecting that. (laughs) And so she looked again, only this time when she looked, the Lord allowed her to see from God's perspective in the spirit realm. And what she saw was a a shaft of light over there, shaft of light over here, shaft of light over there. But the vast majority of people in the thousands did not have a shaft of light coming off of them. And the word of God said and came, these that have the shaft of light, right? What they share is, yes, everyone is physically present. Yes, everyone has their hands raised and they're all singing the same words, but only these that have the shaft of light, their hearts are hooked on with me and toward me. 
everyone else, their heart is somewhere else. See, there is no fooling the Holy Ghost. So they had the outward semblance of unity, but God is not fooled. And come on, we've all done this, right? You're physically there in the service. And you may, you're standing there, maybe with a hand raised, and you're singing, you're mouthing the words, but in your heart, your attention, your affection is on the grocery list or wondering uh, how long pastor's going to preach that night or, uh, you know, all that's coming up the next day, and you're not there. I've been there with So what does it mean to be in unity? Yes, be here. Yes, lift your hands when appropriate. Yes, sing the song. But it does, you're, we haven't achieved unity in the Spirit until your heart is engaged. I think it's in the book of Isaiah or Jeremiah where God says these people, yeah, their, their lips are moving, but their hearts are far from me. Their hearts are, and God knows. And so this is a way that we can come up in unity. You do whatever you got to do on your way in to say, I am coming to hook my heart on. I'm going to engage my heart, my affections with God's plan for the service. I don't know what the service, you know, all that the service has, God has planned or what's in pastor's heart, but I'm coming with the intent to hook on. I'm hooking on with what's being taught. I'm not just enduring this series on the local church, hoping he'll preach on something I'm more interested in after. No, this is what the Holy Ghost is emphasizing. This is what the Spirit of God says that we need right now. Amen? If you don't trust me in that, I'm not sure why anybody's here. Amen? But I know you do. But do you get this? There's a hooking on with your heart. Here's another aspect of unity that we... uh, that we need to grow in. How about unity of response? See, now again, there's a grace and there's mercy for brand new people who don't know. I used to be that person, you know. All I, when I came in, I was so overwhelmed with these people are crazy, you know, thought, you know. Because I'd never been in a service where you were encouraged to shout amen or yield to the Spirit or, you know what I mean? And so there's a training process, right, of, of some of that. But, you know, if you've been, there's people been with me a long time. And when, when there's a move, there's something happening, there's still this. I mean, not only can God discern your body language and what you're trying to say, everybody in a, the tri-state area gets it. You are not entering in. Here's what we need to see. When you understand the spiritual dynamic of unity, you're going to have to understand and know that's not just your choice. Your choice to not respond in unity with the congregation and with what the Spirit is doing right then is a breaking of unity that will limit what God can do in the service. And if we don't have enough people hooked on in the service, there could be, God, you know, right then could say, tonight is that person's miracle. There's someone coming that needs their, you know, pancreas restarted or 
their spine repaired. Or, and God is perfectly capable. Amen? But if we don't unify, God works in unity and harmony. The devil works in discord and division. So if we want the fullness of what God would bring us, we must get over our good self and unite. Practice unity. And do it by faith. Do it by faith. You know what kept me around? I was saved Baptist, raised Methodist, and then you, you get exposed to some of these meetings, like going to Winter Bible Seminar. Oh my gosh, we're 5,000 people, and all of a sudden, with no prompting, Pastor Greg, are dancing in the Holy Ghost. Nobody told them. It's just the Holy Ghost, 5,000 people. And everybody's just dancing in the Spirit, except me. And God was merciful to me in that. But you get enough me's in there doing that. And this is why Brother Hagin would make the statement. He says, I can't have the highest moves of God and get the greatest miracles that I've seen God do through my ministry in the big crusades. He said the reason for that is, is there's, in a crowd that size, there's too many belief systems, too many, too many people believing different things, saying different things, expecting different things. He said, if you really want to have the highest out of my ministry, you go to the smaller venues, the, the local churches where there's unity of belief and unity of desire. And that's where you can get the highest flow. See, this is why, from my perspective, you just got to know, I don't live and breed and eat, and my highest aim and goal is to fill every chair in this church. I think very little about that. I'm trusting God to add to the church. And notice in our confession, them that fit with us. Right? Because it might look impressive to you or me or people, to see every seat filled, but if every one of those seats is filled with someone who is not on board with the plan of God for this church, then we didn't gain, we lost. We lost the move of God. We lost gifts of the Spirit. We lost miracles, signs, and wonders. Does that make sense? But what kept me on board, I was as green, I did not know, but here's the thing. What, what looked to my mind like, that is foolishness, that is crazy, I don't understand all this tongue stuff. But all the while, there was something in me that was going, yeah, 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 oh yeah, that's what you need, that's what you want, this is God, this is right. And I'm just so thankful that the Lord did His grace helped me go with that and to where I didn't just run off, you know, get my little Linus blanket and run off back into a dead church. I stayed around long enough for them to teach from the Bible what was happening. And the way I was, if you show it to me in the Bible, I'm good. You show it to me in the Word, I'm good. I just want to know it's, I just want to know it's good. I just want to know it's God. I, I don't want to, I don't, if it's God, I want it. So you have to go, when you're a new Christian or, or you're unfamiliar with the move of the Spirit, it doesn't mean that you can't be in unity. Right? You can come and it'll be school for you. And it, it might not be a breaking unity for you to just kind of observe a little bit. But inside you, there's this, yeah, 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 and I'm learning and I'm hungry for all that God has. That may, am I getting over my, the point? 
Amen. Notice here in closing that the Holy Spirit was poured out on a people who were in perfect unity. They had, they had an encounter that was documented and written. And when the Holy Spirit made His entrance into the earth on the day of Pentecost, it says, and suddenly there came a sound of a rushing mighty wind that filled the whole house. And it, that sound was heard throughout the entire city of Jerusalem because people came out and goes, what was that sound? And they, they said, let's go check it out. And, then, and they were gathered together and think about the Holy Ghost. Where, under what conditions, on what kind of group was he poured out? On a group that was in one accord. They weren't expecting tongues, flames of fire to stammer around like drunk people. They weren't expecting that. But they were in one accord. What were they united around? God's plan. God's plan. And you can unite around that. Not knowing what the plan of God is, but you're hungry to come to church and hook on under this desire, I want the plan of God to be consummated and fulfilled in this service. Amen. Peter was able to stand up under the anointing of the Holy Ghost and preach to that crowd, and 3,000 souls got born again. 3,000 souls in one service. Notice, 120 in unity. Created an atmosphere where the man of God could come out and preach under the unction of the Spirit, and in one moment, 3,000. It goes from 120 to 3,000. This is the kind of thing that God can do when His people unite in, spirit thing, in spiritual things. All of the God and goodly things that we read about are only possible where brethren are dwelling together in unity. But the opposite is true. James warns us, doesn't he? Where there's confusion, where there's bitterness, where there's envy and strife, there is confusion, and every evil work is there. Think about that. Where there's strife, where there's disagreement, where there's arguments, where there's dissension and division, the devil is loosed to perform every evil work. Let your mind just run with that. So do you see that, how important it is? The devil, that's why, you know, we're, we're, our country is named... You know, the, does it say the group of states? It's not what we're called. Come on, we are supposed to be. What's on our money, what's on our Constitution, right, is the United States of America. But the reason our country is in flat freefall is because Satan has divided and he's conquering. And there's every evil work you can imagine going on in our country. Every evil work going on. Because of the division. Don't participate in the division. Have your opinion. I've got mine. Amen? But where we really give the enemy a foothold in our nation is when we participate in the, in the Republican versus Democrat, left versus right. I've been guilty. And we ought to voice and we ought to be engaged. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, 
We have to be forbearing. We have to be in love. Do we love the people in the, the other half of the nation? Do we want to see them born again? Do we want to see them forgiven? Do we want to see them come to Jesus? <laughs> We're not going to be able to reach them if they don't know we love them. Did you get that? We're not going to be able to reach them if they don't know we love them. And so if we unfriend everybody on our social media that disagrees with us, hello, you just cut off an avenue of conversation and dialogue. Sure is quiet. Hallelujah. <laughs> but we're listening, aren't we? We're learning. You can shut your Bible. Last thought here. We have, you know, in every service, every time we come together, if it's for a five-person prayer group, that's an opportunity to practice unity. Right? Don't come into my prayer group on Thursday morning praying, Lord, be with so-and-so in their sickness while the rest of us are contending for their absolute deliverance and healing. <laughs> Amen. But every service is an opportunity for us to hook on in unity about the plan of God and contribute to that unity and not take away from it. From the parking lot to how we praise God to how we respond to the message that's being preached. But with these extra meetings we have coming up, I'm telling you, God has, they're not just something to do on the weekend so the church could have a full calendar. No. God has something that he's going to use Reverend Joel Siegel. He's going to use him. God's going to use him to make a deposit into our church. But we won't have the highest flow. We won't have the highest that God has. If we just come, well, it's Friday night. Let's just see what this preacher's got. You got to pra it's an opportunity for us to practice. And I just tell you what, it's not like we don't know anything in this church. You know, I'm not saying that. But, the, but by the time we get to Pastor Nancy's Miracle Crusade in May, we will have had several opportunities, right? And that, is a, that meeting, that week, is designated as Miracles, Healing, Signs, and Wonders Week. Amen? So let's be skillful. Amen? You can stand up tonight. Praise God. Did you get anything out of that? Hallelujah.